Somebody, we just no library in here. Let's hear your voices sing to the Lord. Come on. Come on, if you know that's who he is, just let him know today. That is who you are, God. That is who you are. That is who you again. Let's do that bridge again. Even though. Even when I don't see that you're working. Even when I don't see that you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop. You never stop working. Even when I don't see that you're working. Even when I don't see that you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Come on, somebody, we're together again. I just remembered something's different today. Oh, man. 22 weeks is a long time, okay? Okay? It's a long time, and you get, it starts feeling like a lost loved one after a while. And then just like Jesus rose again on the cross, and the apostle says, he's back. That's what it feels like. It's, it's a new birth of One Seed Church 3.0. Someone said, what is this? See, I'm a computer guy, 3.0, like it's the new version. We're back, and some of y'all, today's your first day. You don't even know that this is history in the making. No church has ever been shut down from a pandemic and then come back. It's history in the making. If today is your first day, you are part of One Seed 3.0, okay? Some of y'all were in version one. Some of y'all were in version two. Look at that baby. Is that his? No, he was here before, right, once? No, it's his first time. What's the baby's name? Brentley's first day at One Seed Church because he happened during the corona season, and now he's been born into this world, and what a beautiful baby Clinton Carly have. Oh, man. Today is such a day full of energy that we don't even need a sermon, even though I have one, because it's just like we could just like air hug it out for 30 minutes, you know? We're just like, hey, hey, Don, hey, Mike, hey, Nicole, hey, Vincent, hey, Clint, hey, Carly, hey, Daly. You know, we can just keep it going. But we got to give you some word today so you feel fed when you leave this place, okay? Oh, I guess you guys, I don't know. We should just stand the whole time. I don't know. Too much coffee with my new ninja machine. All right, y'all can be seated. Touch your neighbor and tell them today is the day. I got to move. I haven't got to move in 22 weeks. If y'all don't know, I'm not used to preaching like this in this like little, con so I'm just like oxygen to my soul. Before we get started this morning, I want to give you my passage. Let's give it up for the worship team. It's the first day back. It's been 22 weeks, guys. 22 weeks to then remember how all this stuff hooks up. There's a lot of wires in here, y'all don't know. Shout out to Nate. Nate's roaming around somewhere, but Nate got us together this morning. Vincent, shout out to Cameron, 
Larry on sound, we're just so thankful and blessed. It's like nobody skipped a beat. You know, we're just right back into it. And we believe the future coming is the best season yet ahead. This message was supposed to be last week, but I said, I don't want that to be an online message because that needs to be in person. So I flipped it. You know, sometimes God does a flippy flip with your plans. Sometimes he flips it on you and you get irritated at him and you go, why you do that, God? Why can't it just be good all the time? And God says, I'm trying to show you something. And if you want to learn from me, you got to go through something because if you have no experience of who I am, you can never testify of my name because if you only know me from a textbook, you'll never know me for who I really am, which is your father, which is the one who created you, which is the one who loves you. And if you never have an experience with me, you can never testify of my name. Come on, somebody. Did y'all fall asleep? Come on, somebody. We got. <laughs> we call you out here at One Seat Church. <laughs> Let's go to Acts chapter 22 before I lose my voice before the sermon even starts. Verses 4 through 15. I got my mask here for after. I was like, make sure I take that off the ears or it might look silly in the, in the video. You know, if it's like hanging there like an earring. <laughs> Paul here, formerly known as Saul, of Tarsus is reflecting back on his journey. He's reflecting back on who he used to be and who he is now. And I pray that this touches you in a way today that you can relate to it, take it with you, and see its relevance in today's world right now. Chapter 22 of Acts, this is the beginning of the church. The book of Acts is the birth of the church. It is when the church fish came to be. It is the first Chapter, first of everything, chapter 22, verse 4 through 15, Paul says, I persecuted this way to death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. As also the high priest bears me witness in all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. He said, I was killing all these Christians. I did it, is what he said. And he says, then I had to go to Damascus to find those who were to be punished in Jerusalem. He says, now it happened, verse 6, as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about 12 o'clock, noon, you know, in about an hour and 25, my math's right, suddenly a great light from heaven shined on me, shined around me, and I fell to the ground. Everybody say, I fell. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who this? No, I answered, who are you, Lord? I think that's how he did it. I wasn't there, but if I had to imagine, who are you, Lord? King James voice. And he said to me, I am, everybody say this together. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. He heard a voice and it was Jesus. Remember Jesus, he, he gone, he resurrected, he ascended to the heavens. Jesus is speaking. You know, the spirit that dwelleth in Christ is the same spirit that created the heavens and the earth, the same spirit that came in the people in Acts 2. It is the spirit of God, and there's only one spirit of God. God is a spirit, and he can't be contained. And so if Jesus wants to speak to you from a distance, he can, because it's the same spirit. There's only one spirit. There's only one God. He says, why are you persecuting me? Saul, Saul. And those who were with me indeed saw the light. This is Paul again in chapter, verse 9. Those who were with me saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So they saw the light, but they didn't hear the voice with them. So they just looked at him like, okay, something wrong with him. 
He's hearing things and he's falling and something's weird, but he looks so convincing, Vincent. But I didn't hear the voice. Only I, Paul, heard the voice. Those around him didn't. He said, so I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to him, arise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed to you to do. Don't you just love how God never gives it all to you at once? Like, like, like test your faith, like go a couple steps, and then I'll give you a little bit more. But if you don't go a couple steps, I'm not giving you anything. If you don't clean your room, no, you can't play with your tablet. You want to play with your tablet? Clean your room. Clean your room? Get your tablet. See, it's in steps. God works in steps, and that was me, that was me reprimanding Taz with the tablet. But, but see, it comes in steps, and if you want to move in faith, you have to take steps of faith because steps of faith lead to giant leaps. A year later, a two, later a two years later, some of you here today look back and go, man, remember where I was? I forgot until I looked at that old video. Remember how I talked? Oh, I forgot until I, until I heard that old record. Like we change before we know it from baby steps. Baby steps climb tall mountains. So he said, what do, I, what do I do? He said, go to Damascus. So verse 11 says, and since I could not see very good, I was blinded for the light. Being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. So picture this. He went kind of partially blind, okay? So the people with him had to guide his, sorry, Brentley, I hope I'm not hurting your little ears. I know I get loud sometimes. It's the Italian in me. I'm sorry about that, but it's bound to get loud here and there. So, uh, my bad, little buddy. <laughs> Where was I? So he can't see, okay? He can't see, and he's being led to Damascus, to another town. Then a certain Ananias, a, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, Paul, and stood and said to me, Brother Saul, Brother Saul. No, I don't think so. Brother Saul, I don't know what it sounded like. Receive your sight. And at the same hour, I looked up to him. Right then, his sight was back. Now, we know it never was fully back, but it was better than it was. You know, God will leave you with a little reminder, like a little marking on Jacob's hip or like a little blurry vision in, Saul's, in Paul's eyes. Like he'll leave you with a reminder for, for a reason. Right there, he looked up and saw him. Then he said, the God of our fathers has chosen that you should know his will. And see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you, everybody say it together, you will be a witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. So, so Jesus, so God took Saul and changed him into Paul. And now Paul is reflecting, telling about his journey. The journey wasn't always good, but the journey is relevant. He wouldn't be Paul if he hadn't have done what he did as Saul. So I'm going to try to connect this to a story from my past that some of you have probably heard and some of you haven't. And you're going to go, I don't understand. Where is he going with this? I hope I can like bring it all together. God, please have your way. Touch this message that people can receive it into their hearts and leave here going, I'm better than when I arrived. So we all have these things from our past, like triggers and, and baggage and and issues, and on the surface, everybody looks really good and great. We all look perfect in here, but I would, I would guess to say that we're, we're a bunch of imperfect people like myself, really together. That's the reality of who we are. We're not the Facebook posts. If you see my latest one, it looks really good, but it's not really who I am. It's a joke, people. Can we joke in here? I put out a thing last night. Some people got, someone got really upset at me, and I was just being silly. So sometimes I go too far. So, so I grew up doing music. I grew up living, breathing, sleeping Music. I wanted to be Janet Jackson. What can I say? Nicole, you know all about it. Just talk to Jamie. I wanted to be J 
Janet or Michael Jackson. And so I dedicated my life to this. And so I, I did the whole thing. I moved to Nashville. I pursued record deals and had production deals and had all these things back in my 20s. I've been on TV. I've done all these things. Talk about music, music, music. And it became everything I was and the only thing I was and the only thing I was good at and the only thing new people knew me by. And then when the music went away, I lost my identity for years. So, so, so a few months ago, when the sermon came to be, I feel like God spoke this. He, so I was watching TV about this NFL player who never made the draft. He actually got in the UFC, became a fighter. But he was talking about how he had given his life to football. And the draft came, and he never made the draft after years. And so he was conveying a very similar situation, but it was with athletics instead of music. But it was the same problem where he he went through this process of giving everything to something and then when it was gone or it almost feels like it's taken from you but the reality is it just doesn't go your way the way you think it should because sometimes it's just not what God wants and so he was saying how he was lost for a while and lost his identity because just like the music every time someone would say hey 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 PJ before I was a PJ hey hey Jeff how's how's the music that's the first thing out of their mouth and after a while when there was no music I'm like I'm like quit asking me that because I, I, don't, I don't have nothing to say. It didn't work out, okay? It didn't work out. So, so, so this night, okay, I go to bed. I'm watching this football player, and I'm hoping, I'm hoping you all track it with me. Are you guys still with me, or did you pass out already? Okay, good, good, good. So, so I fall asleep, okay? And I'm not joking. It's not corona. Don't freak out. But I had a fever, okay? Everybody knows I had corona last year, so we're good. <laughs> we, don't, we don't really know for sure, but we're thinking something was up. So, so I went to sleep, and I woke up at 3.41 a.m. I looked at the clock, okay, with a sweating fever break. I was cold. I had a fever, and I had just had this dream about Toby Mac. You're going to think I'm nuts here. I've talked about Toby Mac a lot because it's a reality in, in, my, in, my, in, my, in my well of things. See, Toby's from Nashville, and, and I lived in Nashville, and I went to Belmont. And, and a lot of musicians and Christian artists, they all went to Belmont. And there's just this overlapping little family of people. And so I had this dream that I was hanging out with Toby Mack. Okay, this is weird, Vincent. I'm 41 years old, and I'm hanging out with Toby. And so, so we're, we're back at Belmont, right? And, and I'm driving through the old neighborhoods, and there's some coffee shops. I'm like, hey, Toby, you want to get some coffee? And he's inviting me to go, like, in his whatever, his, his Range Rover, whatever it is he's driving. I don't even know what Toby drives. But, but I'm going to get my wallet, okay? And I'm going to pay for Toby's gas or whatever. I'm just like, this is Toby Mac. Here's my, like this, these feelings from my adolescence were in this dream that I don't care about anymore today. But in the dream, they were vivid. They're real. And we get to the gas station, me and Toby, and I go to pay and guess what's missing? My wallet. And I'm like, you know, it's like when you wake up with no pants in the dream. Not, not that bad. It's, it's, you lose your, you took my chance to impress Toby, Christine, and my wallet was missing. And I'm like, I'm ruined. I'm ruined, okay, Carly? I was ruined. That was my moment. This is really stupid. What is he talking about? Why did I come to 1C Church today? I'm going to get there. So I wake up, and I go, had that dream before. So y'all don't know that I've had that dream hundreds of times for the last 20 years, except Toby wasn't in it. I've had this dream for years and years about my music career. Like, not good. Not a good dream. Not like, oh, Oh, it's, oh, coolness, you know, this is so good. No, like, it's like a torment. Like, I hate, I hate that. I don't, want, I don't want to think about that. And I get the same scenario in the dream. I mean, you can ask Michelle. I said, I had the dream again. She's like, why do you think that happened? I said, I don't, I don't know. It's like a scar. It's like a scar in me. I said, but when I wake up, it doesn't bother me no more. I used to wake up upset. 
year after year. And then, and then it, it just kind of went numb. And, and, and finally, there was a point in my life where when I kept having these dreams, uh, I told God, I said, I don't want this no more. I said, I don't even want to, I don't want to do the music thing no more. I have children. I have a beautiful wife. I have everything I, I set out to do with music. I've already gained it. I've got a nice home. We, we do well. We do okay. We're paying the bills. Like, like I've got everything and music wasn't it. So I'm okay with it, God. So can I quit having these dreams, please? I said, enough is enough. So now, bizarre enough, the dreams still happen here and there, but I, I have no emotion to it. It's like, nah, no big deal. But it's like, it's like this deep-rooted pain. And so I connected that with the football player that night before the dream. You see, I was thinking about him, and it connected in my subconscious to my past and to a problem I was dealing with. And we all have, like, moments like this. Am I the only one that ever has a reoccurring thing surface in their in their dream or in their, in their life from a long time ago, and you're just like almost laughing at it, like, really? Again? I'm thinking about that again? Who is that? Jake? Jake does? Good. We all have those moments. They're pivotal memories is what they are. And maybe, when, maybe it's when we graduated high school, maybe college, maybe it's when we got married, maybe it's when we bought our first house, had our first child, or even when we came to Jesus Christ. They're a vivid, pivotal Memory and memories give us an opportunity to cherish all that we've been blessed with to see how we got here today, including things that God set us free from. He set us free from some things that we still remember, but they don't bother us like they did when they were happening. Has anybody been through that? When, it's, when it happened, it was horrible. I, I hate my life. And then you're glad it happened now. Looking back, you're thankful to God because he brought you somewhere because of it. Come on, somebody, you can clap for that. It's not a library. We're good. We can praise God in this house. That's what we're here to do. God has set us free from certain things like that, brought us through, delivered us, or just exposed us maybe to something we had never even seen before that made us better according to his plan and purpose. I just don't think Jesus wanted me to be Janet Jackson, even though I could do the whole five, four, three, two, one. We are a part of the rhythm nation. Anybody? Yeah, that's why I had no friends. <laughs> I'm not joking. I'm not joking. There are some memories we'd rather avoid because we consider them a painful point. Something we'd rather not dwell on like that. And there is no reason to keep living through who you used to be or what God delivered you from. When you are healed, you're healed. When you are new, you're new. The old is gone. And when you are forgiven, you're forgiven. It's over. Quit thinking about it because God said it's gone. It's gone. The old is gone and the new has come. And even in your greatest moments of faithfulness throughout your life, you will have moments of reflection that bring you joy because you remember what God did to shape you into the place of blessing you're now living in. But it was hell before. You with me? When you are healed, you are healed. Yes. Now you're living in a place of blessing. If it wasn't for certain moments, you would have never seen Jesus for who he really desired to be in your life. I don't know about y'all. I know y'all like really good people and everything, but I was a hot mess. And until I messed up a few times, I never really grasped the depth of Jesus loving me. I knew all about it. Jesus loves you. What does that mean? No, you mean he, he shed blood for me, for my sin that I carried, that I'm not even worthy to be in his presence, and he loves me and puts his arms around me anyway? We punish ourselves when God has let it go. 
Jesus desires to be that in your life. And those are the moments we no longer remember as cuts that hurt, but rather scars of what has healed. Scars. The message today is scars. Scars. Our scars shape us into who God created us to be. No scars, no shapey shape, no change. Our scars are what create us into who God wants us to be. And what happens with these dreams and with our minds, it's just like Paul, he's reflecting. We go into this subconscious, unintentional reflection of where we've been. And if we're not careful, we can treat it as a cut again. But it's a scar. And there's a difference. There's a difference. Paul was in a good place now. He, was, he has some scars from his past. They weren't open wounds no more. He was reflecting as this is a good thing. Paul chose not to live in the past, but let his past fuel God's calling on his life. And he's witnessing it in this text, talking about I was the man who did that to people. I was the least of the least. I was the worst of the worst. I did it all. So now I go full in for Jesus, he's saying. Deep-rooted scars, subconscious, and I'm sure Paul had some weird dreams at times, too. It wasn't just me. And the funny thing about scars, I've got them all over. I'll tell you about them in a little bit, more than you probably want to know. But they never really go away. You know, they kind of stretch, your skin stretches. But the scar is pretty much there. I mean, the, the cut healed, but the scar never goes away. So it's about managing them and not letting them manage you. When they start reminding you of the negative and bringing you back to a dark place, you're letting them turn into an open wound again. You know, people like to tell you about their scars and their cuts. That's not what scars are meant to be. Scars may, may have a testimony to them, but your scars are for you, you know? And, and the first thing people want to do when they have a fresh cut is tell you about it and tell you how bad they got it. Well, they did this to me. Like the people in the doctor's office lobbies. Anybody? You guys are in healthcare. Like, you know, hey, how you doing today? Well, let me tell you my life story and how many cuts I have. You know, it's like people want to share their cuts. But I guess it's venting. But when that thing becomes a scar, they're going to look at it differently than while it's still hurting. The scars don't hurt anymore. I've got, I've got some wicked cuts, scars on my legs. They don't hurt at all. But, man, when they happened, they hurt. Well, I forgave them, and I'm not mad at them no more, but it took me 20 years to love them again. Because the cut was so bad, Mike. The cut was so fresh. It stang, man. Anything touched, it's like putting alcohol, rubbing alcohol on my cut. It hurts. But now it's, it's scarred over. And I can talk about how God used me to touch that family member. Or God used me to influence them after they hated on me. God turned it around and brought them to Jesus in the process. See, that's what a scar does. That's what a scar does. You can remember the story without letting it sting any longer. And God allows scars in our life. He allows scars. Nate, I know you have scars. I have scars. Nicole, I know you have scars. Pam and Dan, everybody in this place has scars. I know you have scars. But what's so cool about a scar is after a while, we can talk about it and it don't hurt like it did when it was a cut. Because I'm valuable to God. You're valuable to God. Just because I'm not perfect, and that one came from when I was two, down the steps, riding a tricycle, Clint, Christmas Eve, Christmas lights, wood steps. 
just because I got a little marks and marks and scars and wounds and healing things. I'm not perfect, but I'm valuable to God. Well, just because I didn't make the NFL draft, I'm valuable as a human being. My life isn't revolved around what I do for an occupation. I'm a human being. I'm a child to the living God of all creation. Am I, am I limited to my football career? Am I limited to my Janet Jackson moves? How, how, how superficial, little Jeff. See, I was adolescent in my mind until I outgrew it and said, there's more to life than this. This is just a fruit of something I do, but it's not who I am. And I'm valuable to God, no matter if the world sees it or not. And you're valuable to God, no matter if anybody else says it to your face. God says it to you every day when he thinks about you. You are always valuable. There's no sheep astray from the herd. He will leave the 99 to go to the one because you are invaluable to God. And so just like the dream, the irony was I was really sick. So the enemy loves to attack you when you're weak. And I was really sick. I had a fever. And so he will steal your sense of value when you're irrational and half asleep. And then you have to turn it around and go, no, God delivered me from that. I don't have to have panic attacks no more over some silly dreams I've been having since I was like 16 years old. How silly is that? Devil. Go back to Hades, devil. Don't mistake God's reminders for the enemy's attempt to open old wounds it's okay to talk about your scar when it's fully healed because it may help somebody even though the scars for you and you may think the the enemy is trying to bring back a toxic seed from the past but maybe God is trying to remind you of where he delivered you from like Paul Paul's okay with talking about it now he's not doing those things no more he's okay with testifying of his journey now we think it's the devil attacking us to just hurt us again God is reminding you. The enemy wants to remind you of past cuts, but scars are meant to remind us of deliverance and healing from the cut. It's good. You might want to write that down. The enemy wants to remind you of your past cuts, but scars are God's way of reminding us of the healing and deliverance from the cut. And our scars shape us into who God created us to be Today is part of your walk. I'm valuable to God. It's part of your walk. God will heal the wounds because we are valuable. We are his children. He knows the hairs on your head. You know, you're his greatest creation. He will heal the wounds if you let him because you're invaluable to God. I got so many scars, it's not even cute. Scars make me feel grateful for things I didn't ask for it, but that God made better. That God made me better from. Scars remind you of where you were, and again, where God has brought you to. Me and Michelle were, it's nice when a story comes and it's not planned or anything. It's called the anointing, I think. I pray it is. Me and Michelle were talking. We go to the lake. I talk about the lake a lot because we go to the lake a lot. It's, it's part of our life. And uh, we were talking, and we were looking at the transformation just in our life from where we started when we got married, we've been married <clears throat> 13 and a half years. And if you saw where we started, it's, it's amazing. Just the blessing. Just not, not, I'm not just talking about like in a material way. Like just everything. Like family, children. You know, we, 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 get to, we get to go play on the water. Like we do all these things that like we just never thought would be part of our life. We never planned it. It wasn't part of the music career. But I would never go back to that miserableness for the blessing God's brought me from, brought me to from 
living in that alone time. I mean, there's a period. I mean, okay, can I get real with y'all? Can I, can I share this without you judging me? Can I share this? Will you guys judge me? I used to cry at night. I lived in Nashville. I'd cry myself to sleep going, what's wrong with me? I had this passion for this thing, like a purpose, and I was miserable. Like, what is the deal? I don't even want this anymore. It's like a blessing and a curse. It's all I knew. It's everything I was. I was afraid to let it go. I was afraid I was nothing without it. And I would actually cry as a girl. I was like 24 years old, 23 years old, living in a little hole in the wall in Nashville, Music City doing a thing, starving artists, literally. And, and, and I had a college degree, and I was making pennies, waiting tables, and I, was, I was, did this for years. And, and I was doing good. Everybody thought I was good, but the, the, the fruit it brought was nothing. Like, this is not bringing what I thought it would. And it's because God was actually tugging on my heart all along, saying, this is not it. You need to go home. And he brought me home, and he brought me to my wife. And that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it changed my whole life. And it rhymes. It changed my whole life when he brought me my wife because I finally had value in another way. I was not only only valuable to the self-centered thing I wanted all my life, but I had something to share with another human being. And that was so much greater. So thank you, Michelle, for being at the gym that time when I met you. And, not, and thank you for answering the phone when I called the first time. And thank you for letting me interrupt you with the headphones when you're trying to work out all those things. My scars are for me. Your scars are for you. You don't have to tell the world if it's going to bless somebody good. But remember, my scars are for me. Paul is talking about his scars. And as a pastor, I'm sharing you some scars because I'm hoping it blesses you. But that doesn't mean you have to go tell everybody every little scar you've ever had because they're for you. They're for you, and they're between you and God. And Paul heard Jesus speak to him, and no one else did because the message that God was trying to deliver Paul from was not for the people around him. It was for Paul. Well, they, they have a nice car, and they have so many likes on social media, and they, they wear this kind of shoes and this, and I got to compare, compare, compare. We say our vision is discover God's perfect plan made just for you, not them. There's a reason you have a plan that they don't. Because collectively, together, we are the body of the Christ. And if everybody preached, and if everybody did a setup, and if everybody was security, and if everybody did childcare, and if everybody did the same things, we could not accomplish the Great Commission. It's collective synergy. We are the body unified for the common cause, but we have different gifts and talents we bring to the table. So your scars that lead you to your mission in this walk towards purpose is for you. It's for you, Vincent. It's for you, Mike. It's for you, Nate. My scars are for me. And Paul had that reminder of vision problems the rest of his life. I'm calling that Paul's scar. Just because it wasn't like a slash in his arm, his vision problem was a scar that God gave him for the rest of his life to remember the good things he delivered him through. Remember when, he brought, remember when God brought Moses and the children of Israel through the, through the flood waters, through the Red Sea? Remember what God has delivered you from. All the scripture, remember, remember. God is always saying, remember what the Lord has done for you. And that's what scars do. They're a reminder. Our scars shape us into who God created us us to be. Can y'all stand with me this morning as I wrap up with a semi-graphic story that maybe will entertain you all and not make you sick? Let's just look to each other. Let's just look to heaven and say, I thank you, God, for my scars. 
Come on, I thank you, God, for my scars. I am thankful for my scars. Even though they hurt when they happened, now I'm thankful that I have some scars to remind me of where I've come from and where God has led me to be. So, skinny jeans, thankfully I can't really roll my sleep, my legs up. I got scars all over, man. I got a scar here from when I fell down the steps when I was two years old riding a tricycle. We were supposed to go look at Christmas lights. Pam, you probably remember because you're my mom. And, and, and uh, I'm bleeding. I'm bleeding. I don't remember. I'm like two years old, man. I'm like two. Who remembers? But I have a scar here to prove it that I fell down those wood steps, which there was no hand railing, by the way. Was that even safe back then? Was that safe, Pam? That's not why I did it. Okay, so <laughs> I got a scar there. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. So this finger is the jinxed finger, like, the Lord just won't bless this finger. I cut this finger, cut in a lime, my brother's wedding day, I was 15 years old, I was going to sing Nolani, I was going to clear the phlegm out with some lime, because I didn't have lemon. Citrus gets rid of mucus, so you're going to, as a singer, you're going to clear the phlegm out with the thing, and I sliced with the cake finger, with the cake knife, right into my finger. It was bleeding all over. This is the cake knife. Sick. We did use it that day. I never told my brother little 15-year-old little brother. I just washed it, stuck it back in the thing. But I got a scar here still. Uh, that same finger, um, I cut through it before we moved our last one with a box cutter. The same finger. I was going crazy with a dull knife. Those are the worst. Boom, right into the same finger. Cut halfway through my fingernail. The doctor opened it up, and my finger was talking to me like Pac-Man. It was great. It was great. Okay, so I got the same finger. So then a third time okay we're playing with the trailer one seat church 2018 hey we're a new church bam i smashed my finger in the trailer hitch yes it was broken and it was the same finger dear god just cut it off so okay so then like uh what else michelle this this knee has scars from a meniscus surgery uh, this knee has a scar from a meniscus surgery. Uh, this shoulder has four anchors in it from a, a labrum surgery from trying to do something I shouldn't have been doing that I ripped from the flesh. And then this shoulder, Christine, has about three, I think they call them sutures. Yes, they have three sutures in here because I did the same thing a year later doing like some kipping pull-ups. CrossFit is a bad idea. And I ripped this shoulder too from my butt. And I got, I got scars there. I got a scar here from when I had like a, a fatty tissue they had to remove. They cut me there. Like, see, I got scars all over, but you wouldn't know it. Because I can just really, you know, bring it together in front of people. I know it's funny, but I'm being serious, y'all. Oh, oh. Uh, can I show this, Michelle? Is this wrong? Is this wrong? It's wrong? You're saying it's wrong? Okay. The camera won't get it. Okay. Okay. This is gross, but it's a lot better. Can you see this? There's three lines up my leg, Okay. This first one is a scar that's about a half inch wide that was 12 inches thick that when my parents were building the pool clint, pool clint when I was 12 years old or so, they had rebar sticking all out the yard. So I'm walking and saying, hey, you want to see my new pool my mom and dad are building? Ripped through my shin. Ripped my shin open. Like stuff was coming out of my shin. I didn't know lived in the leg. It wasn't blood. Okay? Okay. So, so, so look. It don't hurt. It's a scar. Now I can talk about it because it was 30 years ago. 
but it hurt like fire when it happened. And I didn't cry, but I wanted to. And so, so, so here's what's funny about scars, Ben. The next time it happens, you know what to expect. So, to, to, to God, thank you for the reminder. We get the new sound cart, and I'm starting to put that thing in the trailer, and the little thing catches my leg last week and rips me two new ones right next to the old one. So now I got two fresh wounds here. See that? See that? I know it's sick. And no pastor, just so you know, if you ever don't come back again, just remember that no pastor has ever showed uh, tear marks in his leg like Wolverine. Now I'm the first to do that. So I'll, I'll be in a Guinness book for that. My point is the past scar know me, taught me what to expect for the new cut. Okay? Are y'all getting this? If you don't have any past scars, when you get cut really bad, you don't know what to make of it. You don't know how to handle it. Oh, my God, my life is over. I'm just going to throw away everything. And then you say, no, I've been through that before. It's okay. It's okay. Okay, okay, it's a pandemic. Okay, they're shutting the church down. No, they won't shut it down. It'll just be for two weeks. I mean, 22 weeks. Like, like you don't know necessarily how it's going to unfold, but you know God has delivered me from the past, and he will deliver me again. So Corona has made a scar on the church. Corona tried to come through and just wolverine the church's leg like this, and the church says, I've been hobbling around for 2,000 years. Ain't nobody going to take away my church, says the Lord. You can praise for that. Your past scars will remind you how to handle new wounds of your future. It's like repentance, and I'm closing with this. Repentance is referred to as a cutting of the heart from the flesh. You're cutting away the ways of the flesh. So it's like a graphic, it's a graphic way the Bible says it. it's like a cutting of the flesh. And when you think of cutting, it's not always fun. It doesn't feel good. Well, what will they think of me? Well, if I don't, if I don't go do that with them, they're going to think I'm a weirdo and I'm a holy roller and a Bible thumper or whatever else, uh, uh, whatever they're going to call me. And you say, you know what? I don't, after a certain while, you say, I don't care. It may be painful for a second, but the scar that's going to bring is going to remind me of what God did for me. And my life is going to actually be full of joy finally because I got rid of all that junk that was saturating my soil so I need some scars and repentance is a perfect way to have that transition from cut to scar if you all just bow your head with me on this inaugural 1C Church 3.0 as we head out today we're going to pray together I've done pretty good keeping it together when Michelle hollered 22 weeks I did break for a minute up there and tears came to my, my face. Because it's like, it's, like it's like still like a fresh knife sometimes. And so, so we'll look back at the end of this year and go, man, remember Corona? Remember what it did to our church? Remember how we worked through it? And we started again. And they laughed the first day when there were six people. And then we got big and we got everything happened. And then we started again. And then we moved and then the thing happened. And then we started again. It's because we are stopping. Well, this, was not a, this was not a race. This is a marathon. We're going to be going for the, till the ends of time. Okay? So if we can just bow our head and lift a hand right now, let's pray together. God, thank you from the bottom of our hearts that we get to have community again. 
that we get to be together again. And even though it's not what we expected with the masks and with the distancing and all the things, we don't care, God, because we know enough that we believe. And we don't have to know how it's going to look in five years. We know enough that we believe we are accomplishing your will. And that's what matters, that enough is written in all the Gospels, that the world can't contain all the books. If we should write down everything you have done, God, we don't need to know all that because we know enough that we believe to move forward. And we are thankful that we go into this week knowing that tomorrow, tomorrow is bringing brighter days. And though there will be new cuts, we know how to handle the pain because of our past scars. And we are not afraid to face the pandemic. We are not afraid to face the devil because we got this Holy Spirit of you, Lord, in us, ready to slash through any attack the enemy makes. And God, we are thankful right now. We give you all the praise and all the glory that the devil tried to take this away. And now we're back. And so we are going to give 10 seconds of praise right now. And thank you for who you are. Let's praise him for 10 seconds. Go. Go.